This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. I shared with you Psalm 127. I also referenced a couple weeks ago from Proverbs 22 where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Uh, that's it does include teaching your child about God. It does include taking your child to church, reading them scripture, reading them stories from the Bible, praying with them, praying for them. But it's a whole lot more than that. It also most certainly means that we should all as parents put forth a lot of effort figuring out what our child is gifted at. What are their talents? What are their bents? What are they passionate about? This is one of the main roles of parenting. And some of you are past those days, and so just bear with me as we talk about it a little bit. Some of you are still right in the middle of it, though, and some of you still have it coming down the road. Either way, it's beneficial for us to share for a minute about it. To find out what it is your child is passionate about. And then to promote that, to encourage that, to give them opportunities in that. That's what it means to train up a child in the way they should go. If my child is is bent toward art, music, drama, uh, the the dramatic arts, the visual arts, it would be a huge mistake for me to try to push my child to be a scientist or a professional athlete When I was a high school teacher, I used to ask kids, you know, early on you do those little written things where you get to know them and all, and you say, I want you to write me a one-page essay about what you want to be post your educational period in life. And and a lot of the kids would say, I want to be a professional basketball player. I'm like, well, okay. First of all, you're 5'2". Second of all, you're 230 pounds in the ninth grade. Third of all, you didn't even make the high school JV team. (laughs) And people who become professional athletes, uh, you know, take, take this for example. Of all the basketball players in the state of Georgia right now, there's about three that are going to become professional basketball players. So we need to be realistic with our kids. We need to encourage them, and yes, tell them to follow their dreams, but we need to help them understand, hey, this is what you're good at. This is what I see in you. This is where your gifts are showing up, and this is what you demonstrate a lot of passion toward. Let's go ahead and X out video games now because I don't care if they're passionate about video games. You should not encourage them to be a gamer for the rest of their life because that's a waste of time. And uh, so you understand what I'm saying. Realistic, realistic and productive and something they can make a living at, something they can be fulfilled in and something that they can use to make a difference in the world. Train up a child in the way they should go. And then the 127th Psalm that I read to open the service where we're told that unless the Lord build the house, the house being our lives in this case, the people who are trying to build it are laboring in vain. You're wasting time, you're spinning your wheels. 
unless the Lord watch over this city that we are making out of our lives as individuals and families, then the watchmen who are trying to watch over the city are doing so in vain. And then the psalmist goes on to give us some instruction about children. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. They are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, I love that analogy. Arrows in the hands of a warrior. So you say, well, Jeff, my kids are grown and gone. Or Jeff, I don't have any kids. Whatever. We know that here in this house with this family, we are being driven toward a responsibility toward Thomaston's kids, whether they are ours biologically or not. So this applies to all of us. Arrows in the hands of a warrior applies to anybody who has some influence in the life of a child. So in the day and time when the psalmist was writing, an arrow was a weapon of war. And arrows were made out of raw materials that the warrior would go out into the natural environments and collect. And he would bring back the materials and then he would build his arrows by hand. You didn't have any mass production arrow making facilities out there. You could not order them off Amazon or go to, to the, the hunting and fishing store and pick them up. You had to make them. And so it was important that you chose the right materials. That's step number one. You have to get the right materials. So whatever uh, kind of a tree or a plant that you're going to choose that shaft for the arrow from has to be the right kind. It has to be sturdy. It has, you have to be able to work it into a weapon of war. And you had to go out and choose what you're going to use for that arrowhead, whether it's granite or stone or, what, or iron or whatever it is. And it has to be shapeable. It has to be formable. And then balance is a huge factor when you're preparing this kind of a weapon. Because when you pull the bowstring back and you launch it, if it's out of balance, what's going to happen? There is no chance that it's going to hit the mark unless it's just by total accident. It has to be properly balanced. So you form the shaft and you make it completely straight, completely level, completely smooth. Nothing that will cause it to veer that way or to veer that way or to go up or to go down. It must go straight. And then you take the arrowhead that you have found and formed and shaped and sharpened and you mount it to the end of the shaft. But then on the other end, there has to be something that balances it. And listen, these nice, colorful little arrows that you get with toy sets or whatever, uh, there's a pretty good chance that's not what they really looked like. And most certainly, they're not made out of the same materials that they were made out of back then. These people were... a 
going into battles to fight, to preserve their lives, to preserve their families, to preserve their countries. It had to be done right. And so the, the analogy is obvious and clear, I think. That first of all, we've got to choose the right materials. What is it that we're going to use to formulate this life? What, are, what is the selection process? What does it look like? What do we have to make sure is in there that cannot be left out? Or this weapon, this individual, this life is not going to hit the target for which God designed it. As, as moms, dads, grandparents, it should be near the top of our list of goals in life. That first of all, we choose the right materials to invest into those that have been given to us. And that, and that we work and make it one of our life's top missions to make sure that all that is fashioned and formed in a way that ultimately that life is going to hit the God-designed target for which they're here. If not, then that life has been minimized. It has not met its full potential. It has not realized its full purpose. So we have to choose the right materials to put in. And then we have to form and shape and work. You have to put in the time. Man, I'm just going to touch on this because you can get all mired up in this kind of stuff and stay there for a long time and it's very depressing. The number of kids, and everybody in the room can testify to this, that we see around us today that were produced, and that's it. Nobody is, maybe school teachers are trying, but school teachers are battling against full classrooms where children have all sorts of issues because what is happening at home is not God's design for what's supposed to be happening. Man, the challenges and the obstacles that school teachers are facing these days because so many parents produced the child but are not preparing the child to live a productive and solid life. They are not providing for the child security, self-confidence, opportunities. They're not protecting the child from all the, the lies and the junk that is swarming and swimming around all of us all the time. And so kids are just drifting, just trying to figure it out. Just, and they migrate to each other. And as you have cliques of kids and, that are all clueless because they want somebody to belong to, Right? They want to be able to identify with something, and they take on these causes. You know, this, this trend, this epidemic of young people that are embracing lies, that are embracing all sorts of twisted nonsense. And do you know what that is? Do you know what they're doing? They're replacing God with whatever that is. Because nobody's telling them that God is what you're looking for and God is the only source that can fill up that spot in you. And so they're left to try to figure it out on their own. And it's a disaster. 
So we have to choose the right materials. And we have to form and shape and prepare in the right way. And then we have to be willing to launch them when it's time to launch. And we've got two young men here this morning that they're on the threshold of being launched. And I don't want to depress any mamas in here. They know it already. But this is a good part of it. This is a powerful part of it. This is the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) Oh, Lord. For any of us who've ever experienced having a fully uh, strong, capable uh, adult child that just won't go away, uh, that just ain't the way it's supposed to be. They're supposed to go away. Now, it might just be right down the street, but they're supposed to go somewhere and do something. Thank you. (laughs) Help us, Jesus, right? That's part of it. That's where we come to. It's a time where, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's a big change. Yeah, it's emotional but we should be rejoicing in it at the same time we should be applauding it at the same time especially if we've done it right especially if we have chosen the right materials and invested those in them especially if we've prepared and straightened and sharpened and balanced them it's good something to celebrate I love to celebrate that. So, he goes on to say that, you know, children are a heritage from the Lord. And he says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Now, some guys' quivers have more slots in them than others. That's really not the point. I was given a quiver but that had a lot of slots in it. I could tell you, well, I'll tell you, I'll sort of tell it to you. When, when I called my mom and told her that Riley was on the way, he was number seven, she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't really understand the question. What? Don't y'all know when enough's enough? Don't you know kids are expensive? I said, yeah, mom, I'm in the middle of it. What am I supposed to say? I said, and I tried to use the scripture on her. I said, you know, Mom, scripture says children are a heritage from the Lord and blessed is a man whose quiver is full. And she made a suggestion that I go, you know, do something about my quivers and stuff and all that. But (laughs) I'm sorry. I said, well, Mom, that's not really a conversation I want to have with you, but. So regardless if we have one, two, three, or seven, or ten. Anybody come from a family of ten or ten or more? Miss Shirley? Well, yeah, Bethany's back here. Regardless of how many it is, they're a heritage from the Lord, and we're blessed. We're blessed when they are placed in our lives in our quiver, and that we're given the opportunity to be the ones 
to prepare, to provide for, to protect, and to launch out into the world. It's a great blessing. And if God says that we're blessed when kids are given to us, then I'm going to embrace that. If God says that He will build that house for us as we continue to submit ourselves and seek out His heart toward it, then I'm for that. If God says that if we will train them up by selecting the right materials, by preparing and straightening and refining and sharpening and polishing and balancing, that He will bless that to the extent that as they live out their lives year after year, that will not go away from them, then I'm going to embrace that. And I'm going to rejoice in that. So if you're a parent today that has finished raising your children, they're already out there, but everything's not just perfect, I encourage you to, to, to really take heart because you continue to submit, you continue to pray, you continue to believe, you continue to know and have the confidence of the right things that you did, and you leave the results up to Him. And He will work out His plan. If you still have children at home, and you're still in the middle of it every day, get up every morning and say, Father, I want you to build this part of this house today. I want you to watch over this city today. I want you to be Lord of all today. Whatever materials you place in my hands, I'm going to be faithful to do the right thing with them, to invest them properly, to, to water and to fertilize and to make sure I'm putting in the time and doing the work according to your will and purpose. And you young people, if you haven't yet started a family, my challenge to you today is to do it right. Do it right. Watch God make your life good if you do it right. So I said I get to talk tomorrow about having been raised right. What a great thing. Is there ever a good time to say goodbye to your parent? No. It's hard. But man, the joy and the satisfaction in knowing they did it right. You know? And, and there, there was no focus on stuff. There was no focus on money. There was no focus on big, huge accomplishments. There was a focus on taking what we're provided with day by day and investing it properly. Using the tools and materials God places in our hands to do good work and to put in good time and invest in the lives of other people to provide opportunities to the best of our abilities, to encourage and to push and promote our child toward what they're gifted at and what they're passionate about. So I'm, I, it wouldn't matter if I had been a rocket scientist or if I had been a ditch digger or anything anywhere in between. My parents were not satisfied with me because I went into the ministry. They were satisfied with me because I submitted myself to God's building plan for my life after their example and according to their instruction. And now God is giving us a big, beautiful life more and more all the time. That's my challenge.
So I want to ask um, these young men to come up here. I'm going to ask Noah to come up first. Just come up and stand with me for a second. <clears throat> now, every year it's cool to celebrate graduations. And every year the kids are awesome and kids got great potential and, 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 and we pray for them, we love them, and we promote what they've done and brag on them and, and what they're going to do. And this year is no different. And I'll tell you, these two young men are examples of what I've just talked about. And that's really, as I was thinking about doing a little graduation thing today, and sometimes it's just a 10-minute thing in the middle of a service, but I decided to make it the whole service. Because as I thought about these two young men, what occurred to me was that they are examples of what the Scripture's talking about when it talks about family. And they're examples of what the Scripture's talking about when it says train up a child in the way it should go. They are examples of what the Scripture's talking about when it says unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And they are most certainly examples of what happens because you're going to see this lived out if, if they hang around here or you'll hear about it if they don't. When you are prepared properly, not just produced, but prepared, and when you are provided for properly, and when you are presented with opportunities the way you should be, and when your gifts and talents are promoted, they are examples of what happens when you are protected by those that God has given you to from the lies and the schemes of the enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. So it's a great day to celebrate them. I'm proud of both of them. Noah Windhorst is Eddie and Melanie's son, of course, um, brother to Lydia, and uh, uncle to Everly Ruth, and they're part of our family, have been for a few years now. And Noah is graduating from Pike County High School with honors he is headed to Columbus State University in the fall, and he is going there on a, on a baseball scholarship and is recipient also of the Zell Miller Scholarship for the state of Georgia. He's going to pursue a degree in exercise science, planning to become a physical therapist. <clears throat> they didn't put this on his paper, but I'll also mention that Noah and his Pike County High School baseball teammates will be playing Tuesday night in Macon for the uh, Georgia 3A state championship. So very, very good. Let's give Noah a hand. Come here. Where are you going? Love you, man. Where are you going? Sit down right here. We're going to pray for you in a minute. <laughs> Jackson Hamlet, come on up. Oops, I gave you. Oh, yeah, there's two of them. Jackson is also a fine young man that I've known for his whole life now, I guess, right? So most of you know, I'm sure, that back when I worked at this church some 27 or 8 years ago, that Sherwin was in my youth group, Jackson's dad. And, um, and it, I've got stories I could tell there that I won't tell um, in front of Jackson and the family here on the um, on graduation celebration day. But 
great family, great friends of ours. We're very proud of Jackson. He's graduating from Upson Lee High School as an honor graduate, member of the Beta Club, National Honor Society. And um, he has chosen two career paths, one in cr criminal investigations and one in agriculture. He's going to uh, Abraham Baldwin, Ag Baldwin Agricultural College in the fall. And uh, Jackson has a heart for missions. He has a heart for people. He's, he's always uh, extended himself. He's an encourager. He's a, he's a spokesman in the kingdom already. He's a, he's a person who really is compassionate toward those in need. He'll be going again to Alaska this summer for the entire month of July to work with Grace Works Ministry. We look forward to all the good things that God has planned for Jackson. Let's give him a hand. Mr. President, appreciate you. All right, Noah, if you'll just come back up here and stand with Jackson. I want to ask the men in the house who will to come up here and join us, and we're going to lay hands on these two young men and pray for them and bless them as they prepare to graduate this coming week and to move on, to be launched out, and to realize the next great thing that the Father has for them. And if the rest of you would, if you could just extend your hand or just pray with us. Father, we just, uh, it, it's a great day. It's a great day when we can celebrate great young people, great accomplishments, great levels of dedication and commitment to the things that you've put in their paths. And I thank you that they're part of us. They're part of our family here. And I thank you for their families, for their moms and dads, for their siblings, for their extended families, and the way they have supported and loved them, take care of them, and prepared them, protected them, provided for them through the years. I thank you for what's coming. And, and I just pray that every morning when they get up, they would have eyes wide open and ears wide open and minds sharp and ready to receive and hearts open to what you have. You've got great plans for them. I pray that those materials that have been invested in them for the time and the work that's gone into them would not be in vain, that you would bless their lives with your peace, your power, your provision, and your protection day by day. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.